0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central.
1: Good afternoon, everyone. It is Saturday, December the 24th, 2022. It is currently 3.03 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central Studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Now, I know it's Christmas Eve, and I know that... We could do uh, a lot of discussing things related to Christmas. Uh, I did that in the last live broadcast. We continue to work, on, uh, do some work on Matthew chapter 1. So hopefully you found that to be beneficial. But I, I was downstairs just trying to figure out what I wanted to do today. You know, how many live broadcasts do I want to do? Do I want to just sit back, watch television? What do I want to do? And I, I was just go, going through different things. And then I heard something on a podcast, and I'm like, "Whoa, that that's pretty good." So I thought, "Let's talk about it." So I grabbed everything, ran upstairs, and here we are, live broadcast on this Christmas Eve, 2022, and hopefully, I can give you something that will be beneficial. Thought hopefully, will be thought provoking, challenging. Whether you agree, agree or disagree, but here we go. Are you ready? Let's talk about expectations. Okay, I know that's probably a, wait, wait, expectations. Now, you're a theology podcast. Well, I don't want to talk about expectations. Oh, this is very much related to theology in a certain way. It's definitely related to our lives as Christians, okay? But all human beings, we all have expectations, right? Now, expectation is defined as a strong belief that something will happen or be the case in the future? Do you have a correct theology of expectations? Do you have a correct theology of expectations? And what does expectations have to do with your Christian life? Well, let's use it uh, and an illustration that would be very relevant for right now. It's Christmas Eve. Before we know it, it's going to be Christmas Day. And before you know it, Christmas Day is going to be over. And whether you like it or not, a lot of people have a lot of expectations for Christmas, right? They have a certain expectation of the way it's supposed to be, the way it's supposed to feel, or at least they have a a hope, a hopeful expectation of the way they want it to be. And so many times, somewhere, maybe Christmas Eve night or Christmas night, people will feel those expectations have slipped away. They get discouraged. They get depressed. They get bitter. Some sadly, will try to harm themselves. I mean, suicide is it's always an unpleasant topic, but it's a very real reality this time of year. And it has something to do with expectations. But for the most part, for the average person, if Christmas doesn't live up to their expectations, maybe they're a little discouraged, maybe a little depressed. And before they know it, they're right back in their daily routine and life moves on until the next Christmas. So, if your expectations are not met for Christmas, for the most part, you'll shrug your shoulders and you'll go on with your life. But when it comes to your Christian life, if you have the wrong expectations, I think it has significant negative consequences on you living out your Christian life. It may have significant negative consequences in your relationship to Jesus Christ. And I think Christianity has in many cases sold a lot of wrong expectations to Christians. When you become a Christian and then we start selling it, you'll get this and you'll get this and you'll get this and you'll get this. this. But wait, there's more, call now, and then you will throw in this, and we'll throw a little bit of this, and we'll throw in a little bit of that. And it's almost so that if you become a Christian, if you become a Christian, oh, ladies and gentlemen, it's going to be wonderful. You're going to have a wonderful life. You're going to be happy. Everything's going to be wonderful. You're basically going to stop sinning. All of your struggles with sin and temptation is basically going to disappear. If you if you were living in some horrible sin, when you become a Christian, dun, 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 it just goes away. It, whatever the issue is, it just disappears, and we sell it. And then people become a Christian and realize, wait a minute, I still sin. I still desire to sin. I still fall short here. I fall short here. I struggle here. I struggle there. I don't really know if, if Jesus gave me all these things that these people promised. And when you get the wrong—listen, listen, listen listen carefully. If you sell, you've got to hear what I'm about to say. It may sound heretical, but listen to me. If the church sells the wrong expectations about Christianity, it leads to a group of people becoming so disappointed, so disgruntled, so discouraged and depressed that they end up screaming, crucify him! crucify him. Obviously not literally, but in a figurative way, they're like, crucify him. I'm done with him. I'm done with this Christianity. It did not do what they told me it would do. It did not live up to the expectations that were sold to me. Wrong expectations is devastating to one's spiritual life. You go from praising him to calling for his death. this leads us to two passages of scripture luke chapter 19 verse 32 luke chapter 19 verse 32 and they and they that were sent went their way and found even as he had said unto them now jesus had told his disciples to go do something, to go get something, right? Verse 30, go into the village over against you in which you're entering. You shall find a colt tied whereon yet never a man sat, loose him and bring him hither. Go find a colt and bring it to me. One that no man has ever ridden before. That's what they're sent to do. They are sent to go get this colt, right? So they go, they find exactly what he said. and And as they were loosing the colt, the owner therefore said unto him, "'Why loose ye the colt?' And they said, "'The Lord hath need of him.' And they brought him to Jesus, and they cast their garments upon the colt, and they set Jesus thereon.'" So they have the colt, they throw their garments on it, Jesus sits on the colt. So far, so good. You're like, what does this have to do with expectations? Watch. "'And as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. And when he was come nigh,' Even now at, at, now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitudes of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the king that come, cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the earth. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitudes said unto, uh, unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if, the, if if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. And when he was come near, he behold the city and wept over it. But note, as he comes, they say, blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory and the highest. This whole sometimes referred to as the triumphant entry into Jerusalem, right? This entrance into Jerusalem, there's a lot of symbolism going on here. It's historical. Accurately, it occurred. No question. there. not turning it into an allegory. But this is very symbolic of like a conquering king coming into the city that he has conquered, right? That this is the triumphant king, the one who has gained the victory. I want you to keep that in mind. So as they do this, the question is this. What expectations were in the minds of those who were crying out, blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. What were their expectations as they they were saying these words of praise? What was the expectation? Because if it's wrong expectation, well, that could be pretty devastating. Now, in contrast to that, not long. After this happens, go to Luke chapter 23, and I think you know exactly where I'm going. Luke chapter 23, verse 13. And Pilate, when he had called together the chief priests and the rulers and the people, said unto them, You have brought this man unto me as one that perverteth the people. And behold, I, I, having examined him before you, have found no fault in this man, touching those things whereof you accuse him. No, nor yet Herod, for I sent you to him, and lo, nothing worthy of death is done unto him. I will therefore chastise him and release him, for of necessity he must release one unto them at the feast. And they cried out all at once, saying, Away with this man, and release unto us Barabbas who who, for a certain sedition made in the city and for murder was cast into the prison. Pilate, therefore willing to release uh, Jesus, spake again to them, but they cried saying, crucify him, crucify him. So it goes from this beautiful scene of this triumphant entry, right? Where we are reading where we read the words that we just read a minute ago in Luke chapter 19, saying, blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory on the highest. It goes from that beautiful scene, one of triumph, one that seems like, oh, wow, victory. This is amazing. To now he's going to be scourged. Scourged. He's He's been arrested. And now the people are saying, crucify him. The, the contrast there is so startling. It's so... It's it just like when you place them next to each other. You're like, wait a minute. How do we go from this to this? How do we go from he's he's riding in like like he's the king triumphant, and now he's an arrested he's arrested, being accused of crimes, and the people are like, no, give us the murderer, kill him. And you're like, what just happened? Now, does it possibly have anything to do with expectations? Anything. Well, as I said, all of these thoughts started happening just a little while ago when I heard this on one of my podcast apps. Listen carefully. In Luke 19,
0: Jesus told two disciples to go to a nearby village and retrieve an unridden colt they would find there. If anyone questioned them, they should say, The Lord needs it. At that time, a dignitary or rabbi could borrow property at will. So Jesus' request was not unusual. This is Today in the Word. I'm Donna Leland. The disciples followed their instructions, and Jesus' predictions proved true. He not only predicted the donkey, he knew the entire sequence of events that would culminate in his own death. This knowledge didn't stop him. The disciples draped their cloaks on the colt. Other people spread their garments on the road. As the progression passed the Mount of Olives, the crowd of disciples broke out in joyful praise to God. Today in the Word, we hear the familiar words of Luke 19.38, Blessed is the King, the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. The fact that their adoration was for His miraculous power was telling and helps us understand why many of these same people would turn their back on him just days later. On this Christmas Eve, we remember Jesus as a
1: baby in a. Did you hear that? The adoration was focused on his power, him like a conquering king. That's what they were praising him for his power. And 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 you can see you could probably feel and I think this would be accurate because the disciples even right before his ascension is like, "Okay, when are you going to when are you going to restore the kingdom?" They were looking for someone to come in and get rid of the Romans. Their expectation was Messiah to come to conquer, drive out their enemies, set up the kingdom and they could rule and reign. That was the expectation. He comes in, and he doesn't drive them out. In fact, what, what does he drive when he once he comes into Jerusalem? If you know kind of the sequence of events, what does he do? He doesn't go to the government, uh, you know, headquarters and drive out the government. No, he doesn't go stand before the government and condemn it and say, "You horrible politicians." He doesn't go to the pagan temple to drive out the pagans. He goes to the temple the temple of the Lord, and he drives people out of that temple. He goes after that. In fact, he goes after the religious leaders of Judaism. And they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, 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 we, 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 we were so gra- grateful when you came in because you're supposed to get rid of them and you're pointing the finger at us. That's not our expectations. And somewhere, at least for some people, It goes from, blessed be the name of the Lord, to crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Because the expectation wasn't met. Jesus did not live up to their expectation. And when Jesus doesn't live up to your expectation in a certain situation, it can be rather, it can be rather devastating to your Christian life. So let me ask you first, just looking back over your life, looking back over 2022, is there any, is there any place along this year that you, you felt that God did not in a sense meet your expectations and it caused you discouragement disillusionment. Maybe uh, you became apathetic spiritually. You just kind of like it, yeah, whatever God, God's not doing what I thought he would do. That can happen. It happened to me early on as a Christian, early on, I'd not been saved very long. I was saved as a teenager, very messed up, broken home, living in a different family because of everything that had happened. I won't go through all the horrible stories. And the next thing you know, you know, I get a call. I have to go to the hospital. There's my mom. She's not even 40 years of age. And for all practical purposes, it looks like, I mean, she's dead for all practical purposes. There was, you know, I guess a little bit of hope that maybe something could turn around. Obviously, uh, I wanted, you know, some kind of reconciliation with my mother, something So I leave the hospital, I go immediately to First Baptist Church, Tuscola, Texas, and I spend the night in that sanctuary begging and pleading God, and here's the way my mind was thinking, okay, God, before I became a Christian, I was selling drugs, I was doing drugs, I was doing this and this and this, and now that I've been a Christian, I haven't touched drugs, I haven't sold any drugs, I've been reading my Bible, haven't missed a church service, I've been serving you, please, 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 please at least make my mom better so that there can be reconciliation reconciliation. Please, unless I can tell her I love her one time and maybe she will tell me she loves me. Maybe, maybe, maybe there's some, please give me something. And she died, never spoke to her again. No reconciliation, no forgiveness, no apology, no nothing. And I didn't understand it. So when I was living in sin, my mom was alive. When I become a Christian, my mom dies. Uh, nope, wrong expectation. Had devastating consequences. Devastating consequences to my Christian life. Devastating consequences. Now, that's an extreme example. But there are lots of other examples. Now, this one's going to spark a little bit of controversy. But I'm going to say it anyway. Because there's this mindset within the evangelical world that if before you're saved, if you're, if you're living in certain sin, if you're committing certain sin, the, the expectation that is sold to people by the church at large is that if you become a Christian, that struggle, that temptation will just magically whew, disappear. And I think this has caused lots of pain and disillusionment and destruction in the lives of many people. Let me give you an example. Let's say... You find yourself, let's say you find yourself um, at, for whatever reason, you find yourself being attracted to people of the same sex and you've been in a same sex relationship. And then you hear the gospel and you realize that same sex relationships are wrong. You realize that it's a sin. So you're like, okay, I'm a sinner. I'm going to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. The way the evangelical church has sold it for way, way, way too long is that when you become a Christian Christian. When you become a Christian, guess what? Magically, that same-sex attraction will just disappear. It will just go away. That has been sold by the church forever. It will just disappear. Well, wait a minute. That doesn't make any sense. Just think about it logically. So when a heterosexual (laughs) becomes a Christian, does all of their lustful desires just magically go away? No, if if for a heterosexual, if they become a Christian, not all of their desires, not all of their lust, not all of their problems go away. Then why do we believe people who are in a same who have a same sex attraction? If they become safe, it's just going to magically go away. Why do we sell it that way? Why do we give that expectation? So many become a Christian, try to convince themselves that it's gone away, that it's gone away. And then five years, 10 years, everything begins to crumble and fall apart. And they're like, no, I'm still attracted to that. Now, what they will, many of them will do is say, see, Christianity doesn't work. See, Christianity was wrong. No, no, it wasn't that Christianity was wrong. You were given a wrong expectation. Because when you become a Christian, remember, we are saved by an imputed righteousness. Those that same sinful nature is there. there. Those same sinful desires are there. Now, the difference is now we confess that they're sinful, We acknowledge that they're sinful, and then we try to fight, and we try to put them off. We try to put on the new, and we try to mortify them, but they will never truly be mortified. They will never truly go away. If a heterosexual may struggle with lust in some way, shape, or form their entire life, then someone who has same-sex attraction who gets saved, they may struggle their entire life. But for some weird reason, the church is like, no, 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 no. The expectation is you'll never struggle with that way again. You'll never struggle. Well, that's just not fair, and it's not right, and it's not accurate. Because homosexual struggle, heterosexual struggle, just different sin. Both are wrong, and nobody, And I am not saying you excuse the sin. I am not justifying the sin. I'm saying that we give an expectation so many times that when you become a Christian, it's almost like, dun, dun, da, da, it goes away, and everything's great. But everyone who's been a Christian for any length of time, you sin, and you struggle, and you sin, and you struggle, because the sinful nature never goes away. We sell something that people don't experience. That can be Devastating. So I want you to look back in what ways were your expectations not met and how did it impact your Christian life? So that's the first thing I want you to just look back over 2022, or you can just look back throughout your whole Christian life. When were there times you had this expectation? Like God would do something a certain way. Things would work out a certain way. It didn't happen. And then all of a sudden your spiritual life, just kind of like you, you made it to the top of the roller coaster and you come crashing down at a hundred miles an hour. And when you get to the bottom, the track was gone and you just smashed right into the ground. Boom. And it took a while to get you put back together. Oh, you need to acknowledge that because that's a warning that we should not have the wrong expectations. So number one, Listen, how has it impacted you? Number two, when you look back, were your expectations biblical or were they wrong? I had wrong expectations that somehow because I'm a Christian and I did good, God would not let my mother die. Well, Obviously, that's a wrong expectation. There's no guarantee for that. There's no guarantee of physical healing. There's no guarantee that we're going to be delivered from every problem in this life. Some people will try to misquote some scriptures from the Psalms that in most cases are applicable to Israel, but that's a whole different subject. In many cases, people take scriptures out of context to give people wrong expectations. I mean, how many times have I heard, I I just saw it the other night in boxing. Someone came to the ring with Philippians 4.13 on their trunks. That, that, that If you believe that Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheth me, is, is giving you the promise and so that you can expect to be victorious in an athletic competition, I'm sorry, that's a fraudulent expectation. That's a fraudulent expectation. And I've heard Christians state that. Well, you, you give people that expectation, guess what? When it all doesn't work the way you think, you're going to be devastated. So number one, and how has wrong expectations impacted your spiritual life in the past? And number two, when you look back, how many of those expectations were just wrong? Either because you misapplied scripture, someone promised you that, and then moving forward, how can you ensure, so number one, look to the past and just acknowledge what happened. Number two, were those expectations wrong or right? And then number three, moving forward, how can you ensure or what can you do to ensure that your future expectations are biblical, are grounded in scripture, not denying reality. Every time I listen to preaching, I it's, it's just amazing. Look, here's the expectation that is p- placed on almost every Christian in most churches, if you're in Christ, you're a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. Well, we we'll slow down. Are you talking positionally or practically? What's well, preached that that's true practically. Can't be true practically. We still have an old nature. So obviously, the old isn't gone. And obviously, not all things have become new. If you give me that expectation, at some point, I'm going to be laying in my room at midnight going, what is wrong with me? Clearly the old person is still here and then you're either going to say Christianity doesn't work or you're just going to convince yourself you're not a Christian when in reality someone misappropriated that passage and preached it the wrong way. In Christ... In my position, because of the imputed righteousness, and because of Christ's blood, the old is gone, everything is new, and in Christ I stand perfect, holy, righteous, because his passive and active obedience imputed to my account. Practically, I'm still a sinner. But it's been given the wrong expectation. How much of Christianity is built on wrong expectations? So what do we do moving forward? What do we do to to protect ourselves from wrong expectations? Well, whenever you hear the church giving you some weird expectation, let me state it this way, because nobody will think it's weird. When you hear the church giving you some grand expectation of what will happen, is happening, and what God is going to do, you've got to stop and ask yourself, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. If I take that expectation to its logical conclusion, what would that mean? And number two, is it really biblical? For example, I hear Christians all the time sell this expectation. When you become a Christian, you now have the power supernatural divine power to say no to sin and yes to God. Okay, if that's true, take it to its logical conclusion. Christians should be sinless. And then they always come back, no 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 no. No 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 no. You can't be sinless, okay, because you're still going to sin. You 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 can't be perfect. Well, wait a minute. Well, then clearly I don't have complete power. I have limited power. So how much power do I have? They can never articulate. Even after they give you the expectation that you can, then they will tell you, nope, you can't. I love this one. You have been set free from the power of sin, but you'll still sin and you can't be perfect. Well, if I can't be perfect and I'm going to continue to sin, I'm not really free, (laughs) You can't say you're free, but you can't. And we've talked about this in other podcast episodes, but it fits here. It fits perfectly here. Wrong expectation. And guess what happens? You're sold all of these expectations. And one day you, you can just, and I've t- t- talked to people and counseled with people who are just like at the end of their row, Christianity doesn't work. It doesn't do all. I try and, and I, I I get so upset when I hear, but I tried that and it doesn't work. No, you tried You tried based off wrong expectations. And Luke 19, the the disciples are like, here he is. Here's the king. Here's the king. Let me go back and read those words because it's just so... There, there's a sense there that they they they're, they're almost celebrating his power and and we could we could go back to psalm uh, the psalm that this is a reference from that they're quoting from psalm uh, 19 38 saying blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the lord peace in heaven and glory in the highest that this is a triumphant entry, entry coming into jerusalem almost like a conquering king he comes in he doesn't act like the conquering king in the way that they understand right they want him to get rid of Rome. He doesn't. He goes to the temple and says, "Hey, get out, get out! You've turned this into a, basically a, a den of thieves. What have you done to my father's house?" No, no, they don't understand that. And before long, he gets arrested, and they're like, "That's it. He's done. He's done." That's it. Crucify him. We'll, we'll get some. We'll get someone else. And who do they want? They want someone. Barnabas, who was who was or Barabbas, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and Luke 21, in fact, you can, if you go to Luke 21, if you go to Luke 21, you'll notice what he was accused of, it's very interesting who they want, and I think it's very telling, and Luke, uh, 21, or 23, Luke 23, I'm sorry, Luke 23, notice carefully what happens here, all right, just notice, this is very important, um, and, they, and, and if you go to, see, where do we have this? Luke 23, let's go to verse 17. For of necessity, he must release one unto them at the feast. And they cried all at once saying, away with this man and release unto us Barabbas. I said Barnabas, I don't know why. Barabbas, who for a certain sedition made in the city and for murder. This man was, had already committed sedition. He'd already, in a sense, was trying to overthrow the government in a way. That's who they want. That's what they want. Jesus Jesus doesn't live up to the expectation. They don't want a preacher calling out their sin. They want to get rid of the bad people, the government, so that they can be in charge. Wrong expectation. So I want you to look to the past and identify those times in your Christian life where wrong expectation had devastating consequences. Number two, I want you to then ask yourself, where are those wrong expectations? Were they wrong expectations? And number three, I want you to consider and think of ways, moving into 2023, you can have right expectations spiritually that are biblical, that are sound, that are logical, that are reasonable. And whenever you hear these expectations, take them to their logical conclusions. Because so many times when you take them to logical conclusions, you're like, guys, this makes no sense. We have to do that because theoretically, as an illustration, what happens is we go from praising God, blessed be the name of the Lord, to yelling, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And even if we don't say those words with our mouth, sometimes it's in our heart. And we get bitter. And we get frustrated. And we get disappointed in God. Now, in 2022, maybe even 2021, last couple of years, a very important trend began on TikTok. These people posting TikTok videos of them deconstructing their faith. Deconstruction became a big topic. And so many times, not in every single case, but in many of those cases, those deconstruction videos, you almost heard Well, I was told this, but in my Christian life, that that didn't happen. That didn't happen. So it doesn't work. And they begin to deconstruct it. Now, what many, the the, the general, wonderful, compassionate response by many Christians, well, they were never saved in the first place. Well, what I want to do is hear what happened. In many cases, what I want to say is, wait, that's your expectation was wrong. Who told you that's the way Christianity was going to be? Who told you your sinful desires was going to disappear? Who told you that everything was going to become wonderful and great? Who sold you those ideas? You're not deconstructing Christianity. You're deconstructing the Christianity that was sold to you, which was fraudulent. Expectations. That's what I want you to think about. I don't know what your expectations are for tonight, Christmas Eve. I don't know what your expectations are for tomorrow, Christmas. I don't know. I don't know what they may be. And you may end up disappointed and discouraged and depressed. And that, I I hate that that could happen. But what I would even be more concerned about is if you have wrong expectations in relationship to God. Because that will have devastating spiritual consequences in your life. Biblical expectations. That's fine. You can have expectations that are clearly in scripture, that are clearly applicable to you. You don't rip things out of context, right? You know, when we go to Jeremiah and God's words specifically for those coming out of Babylonian captivity, I know the plans that I have for you to bless you to do, those are, that, those are words for the people coming out of Babylonian captivity. They're not for you. They're not for me. And for us to take that and have that expectation is foolish. If, you, if you're a woman who desires to, be, to have a baby and you go to Genesis where God promises Abram and Sarai a baby and you claim that for yourself, you're gonna, that's a wrong expectation because that promise wasn't for you. It was for them. There are some promises that are specifically for the nation of Israel, not for us. There are some promises that are specifically for individuals, not for us. When we rip that, then we get wrong expectations, and then we get devastated spiritually. And the reason that happens is because there are pastors who take the scriptures, misuse the scriptures, and sell some kind of expectation that is only going to lead to total and total destruction of someone's faith, if you're not careful. And I say that from a human perspective, obviously. If you're true, if if God has saved you, that faith will preserve, because God will preserve you. But I'm saying it can have devastating effects, at least from an an earthly perspective. Temporarily, even for a true believer, you can be massively devastated and discouraged and despondent and and not knowing what to do. Obviously, someone who truly believes that God will preserve them, and I, I believe they will slowly but surely make their way back. But why go through that horrible experience? Because the church sold you something that wasn't true. Identify the past where you were, had wrong expectations and it had devastating consequences. Ask yourself, were they wrong expectations? Identify those wrong expectations. And then think about what you can do to keep yourself from wrong expectations going into 2023. Just a little devotional thought on this Christmas Eve 2022. Whatever's going on for you tonight, tomorrow, if you need anything spiritually, Email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. If you're by yourself, you're lonely, you're discouraged, you're depressed, just tell me what you want to talk about. I will will dedicate as much time as I need to just turn on the microphone and do as many broadcasts as possible uh, to give you some sense of something for you to make it through these uh, next two days. If that's your case, if everything's wonderful for you, praise God, have a great Christmas just remember this, I will end with this whatever you do celebrate tonight or tomorrow I would just hope that and you may have fun with family and food and all of that's wonderful great, please enjoy that just find a minute or two somewhere to make sure you celebrate what it's really about, that she brought forth her son and called his name Jesus because it would save his people from their sins Let's celebrate the salvation that was brought to us by Jesus. And guess what? You can have full expectation of eternal salvation because of what Jesus, God provided to us in Jesus Christ. That in Jesus Christ, his imputed righteousness saves us fully, completely, eternally. That's an expectation you can hold to that nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing can take that salvation away from you. Nobody, Anyone can throw any charge they want at God's elect, but it's God that justifies. And the God that justifies, he will glorify. You can have the expectation that you have been saved and your salvation is eternally secure and you will be glorified and there will come a day where the sinful nature will be completely eradicated. You'll have a new body where there'll be no more pain, no more sickness, and no more death. That is an expectation you can hold on to. It is biblical. It is godly, and it is right. Sadly, the church has provided expectations that are not true and have hurt a lot of people. Email me, newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Um, if you have the Church One app, Church One, Church O N E, that's the Church o- One app, Church O N E. Download the app, search for Theology Central, choose us, and uh, have your notifications on because we go live all the time. And I'm just going to kind of see what people are doing, and if I feel that there's a need, I'll just, I'll just spend the evening if I need to right here in front of this microphone. Now tomorrow we will be live 10 a.m., 11 a.m., and I will be alive. If, depending on what happens at our church uh, tomorrow night, I don't know how services are going to work. If we don't have services tomorrow night, I will, I will be live starting tomorrow afternoon and I'll be live at three o'clock, four o'clock, five o'clock. I may, I may go live three or four or five times, uh, if everything works out. All right. And if you're listening to us on church, uh, if you're listening to us on sermons 2.0, the audio has cut out a couple of times. I do not know why. Um, we are, we are currently using my phone as a hotspot to broadcast because our internet is messed up. So um, we will get that fixed so we don't have that problem. Just remember if the audio ever cuts out, this, this broadcast, this episode will be uploaded to the Sermons 2.0 app and the Church One app and probably the next 10 to 15 minutes. And then you can hear everything without the interruption and the audio dropping out because we don't record it from the software that broadcasts to Sermons 2.0 we record on a completely different software that is not impacted by that cutout. So that's always a good thing. All right. And just, I would love to hear from you. So newsif at yahoo.com. As always, we like to know how you found us and how you listen if you do email us. All right, everyone have a wonderful Christmas Eve evening, a great Christmas and God bless.